thank you for being here and uh, listening to me for this next little bit of time here. Not nervous at all. My toes aren't numb at all right now, um, but it's going to be great. We're going to be good. Um, so my name is Ashley Murda, as Pastor Brett said, and I have been going to Engage for a number of years now. I'm not actually sure how many, but it feels like forever in a good way. And uh, I tried to think of some interesting facts to tell you before you know, we get into it so that you could get to know me a little bit. And then I couldn't think of anything interesting to say. So we're going to go right to scripture, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the series that we're going to be in for the month of December is called Christmas Plus. Um, when Pastor Jeremy texted it to me, I actually read Christmas X, and up until pretty much right now, didn't know what that meant, and was like, I think I'm just preaching about Christmas, so we're good. But it's Christmas Plus, Disney Plus, so uh, that's where we're going today. Who here is, like, fully in the Christmas spirit, like, they, their houses are decorated, they're, like, in it all the way? Some of you, some of you need some Christmas cheer. Um, I personally have not decorated and don't plan to this year, so uh, it'll be great. Uh, we're going actually on a, a cruise during Christmas with my family, and so I figured if I'm not going to be here, why decorate? But I'm still excited about Christmas. I'm still, I have the Christmas cheer. I've watched a few Hallmark movies, so I've checked off my boxes. Um, now, I'm sure that we've all grown up hearing the Christmas story, being exposed to it. Um, I know even as a kid, I was in some Christmas plays at church. I don't know if any of you had that experience. Uh, the only one I can remember is like I was an in no, not an innkeeper. I was a hotel owner. And our hotel was called The Mirage. And my one line was like, The Mirage, the greatest hotel you've never seen. I actually don't even know if I said that. I think I did. And I think people like laughed and I was like so excited that like people laughed at the joke, my line, in this play. But um, we hear the Christmas story every year. And I know our family, uh, before we open the gifts, we sit down and we, it was my grandpa before and now my dad reads the story before we open any of our presents. And I'm going to be honest with you, most of the time I mostly check out and I'm just thinking about like the presents that are coming and what I'm going to open. And I'm not like really listening to the story or trying to get spiritual truth out of it, to be fully honest. But I figured if I was going to be speaking about Christmas this year, I should sit down, I'll read the story, and I'm going to just let God kind of speak to me through that experience. And the thing that really just stood out to me as I was reading was the story of Mary. And so we're going to go on a little bit of a journey through Mary's life and through what she went through in the Christmas story, and hopefully we can kind of learn something from, from what she did. So we're going to start in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and verses 26 to 38. We've got a little, bit of ch a little chunk of text to read here. So verse 26. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. If you have found favor with God, 
or sorry, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a pretty big deal. So not only does an angel come to Mary in the night, but then on top of that, he says, you're going to become pregnant and on top of that, he is going to be a king. Um, so Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I think I would also be uh, asking a few more questions than just that. So what about Joseph? Uh, what happens next? Does this make me a queen? I, you know, there's some more questions that I think that I could ask here. But she says this, and the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. And look at Mary's response here. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you say become true. So first of all, we see that Mary found favor with God. We don't exactly know what it is that Mary did to gain this favor, but we do know that she was kind of the chosen one in this situation, that God came and chose her to be the mother of Jesus. But I think that maybe what this could be coming from is this mentality that Mary had as soon as God gave her this call, as soon as the angel came, she said, Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Let it be so. I'm the Lord's servant. And as I was reading this, I was like, wow, I want what Mary has here. I want to be the kind of person that if God comes and like completely changes the trajectory of my life and like really throws me for a loop, that it's not me sitting there with a thousand questions and doubting and confused or anything like that, but just saying, okay, God, let's do it. Let it be so. Um, she doesn't get toppled over. She doesn't get confused or concerned or, or scared when, when this happens, or at least not according to what we have here in Scripture. Mary is given this heavenly purpose, to care for the very Son of God. I think that we all kind of want what Mary has, which is a clear direction from God. Him saying, you know, this is how you're going to serve me. I know um, I teach high school students, and so one of my favorite questions to ask them as they're, like, ending grade 12 is, like, hey, guys, what are you doing next year? And you'll get one or two responses. One is, like, well, I've applied to this school, and if I get in, then I'll do this, and then this will happen, and then this, and then the rest is history, and they've, like, planned their whole life. And then the other half, or actually probably more like three-quarters, it's just, like, panic. They just, they don't know what's coming next year. And they're like, I'm so sick of being asked this question. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what I'm doing next year. I'm taking a gap year. Okay. I'm just taking a gap year. And, um, and the, the thing is, is I think oftentimes young people are just waiting for this. What is the next step? What is my purpose? What is my calling? But I actually don't think this goes away after you, you know, do your four years of school or whatever it is and get into your career, I actually think that this purpose and this calling that we all want is something that we all want, not just young people. Um, there was a recent study on the power of purpose and meaning in life. 
And it found that people who felt like their life was worthwhile and had meaning actually had better mental, physical health. They had less chronic illness, depression, and better overall general health. Um, they had those with less feelings of purpose, just spent more time kind of alone, not doing much with their time, um, and not really like leaving the house as much and, and like getting out and doing things. But I just found it so interesting that even like, scientifically we can say that when you feel like you have purpose and when you feel like you have meaning the rest falls into place the rest of your life you feel this sort of sense of like wholeness that brings about better overall health so mary gets her purpose her God-ordained calling. And now I know some of us are like, well, I didn't have an angel in the middle of the night come and tell me what to do, so I'm still waiting. Um, I don't know about you, but that's never happened to me either. But we do have the word of God. We do have scripture, and we do have God leading and directing us and guiding us in so many different ways. We need to be open to hearing him however he wants to speak. All right, so she gets her purpose. And so then next we find Mary. And what she does is she rushes to visit this cousin Elizabeth who has also become pregnant. And in uh, Luke 1, verse 45, Elizabeth says to Mary, uh, You are blessed because you believed the Lord would do what he said. So Mary, again, she's not getting all of these details. She doesn't know the exact plan. She doesn't know everything that's going to happen. But what she does have is she has this little bit of like, this is what God wants you to do. And she says, okay, God, not only let it be so, but I believe you. You're going to do this work. There's this step of faith. And I know we just came off of a series of like talking about faith. Um, but Mary had that faith. She was able to say, okay, God, let it be so. I believe you. Let's do this together. Um, and then from Luke 1, verse 46 to 55, what's recorded there is her song of praise to God. I thought about singing this for you guys just to really demonstrate. I can assure you that if I did that, everyone would leave and it would be over. And I mean, that could be nice for me, but... It would also be very embarrassing, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, you can take the time to read that passage um, uh, on your own time. But what I think is significant here is that the, one of the first things that Mary does, again, recorded here, is she takes time and she turns her attention back to God. And she remembers the good things and she says, God, you are good. God, this situation is yours. This isn't about me. Mary wasn't about becoming this amazing you know, world-renowned person, what she wanted to do was, again, turn that attention back to God, turn that focus back to him, and take that time to worship him, even after she had received this incredible calling, this incredible purpose for her life. Um, so then, as the story continues, so now Mary's become pregnant, She's figuring this whole thing out, and what we know next, um, we're going to move to the Gospel of Matthew, because although Luke is more like Mary's perspective, um, Matthew kind of lets us know what's going on here next. So um, we know that they head for Bethlehem for a census, and probably you've like heard this part of the story a lot. You may have a nativity scene sitting uh, in your house somewhere as well. And it says that Jesus was laid in a manger after his birth because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I have not personally given birth. I've heard that it's not super fun. And 
All I can say is that Mary's a trooper. <laughs> um, I imagine that if you there wasn't room in the inn and she laid the baby in a manger, it probably wasn't the most sanitary, the most peaceful experience that she had. And I can imagine that Mary, through this experience, kind of thought, God, I have a king that I'm giving birth to here. I kind of thought you would have these details worked out. Aren't you God? Can't you make this a little bit easier on me? Can't you make this, um, you know, go a little bit smoother? And then after that, we hear that King Herod knows that this Jesus has been born, this Messiah. And naturally, as a king, he hears that someone else great has been born and says, let's kill that guy so that he doesn't take over from, for me. So uh, Joseph wakes up in the middle of the night from a dream, and it says uh, in Matthew 2, verse 13, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. So Mary and Joseph go, and they live in hiding for the first few years of Jesus' life. So again, as I'm reading this story with kind of fresh eyes, I'm thinking, man, if I was Mary, I think I would be doubting God at this point. I think I would be wondering what exactly is going on here. God, you're in control. This is your plan, not my plan. So why is it difficult? Why is there hardship? Why is there challenges? This is the literal son of of you, God. This is, you know, the king of the Jews, all of these things. So why is there hardship? Why is there difficult things happening here? Um, So even after Herod dies, it says in Matthew that Jesus feared Herod's son would also want to harm Jesus. So... Again, they're still living in this fear. We don't necessarily know exactly what all of the the details here looked like. Um, They were able to return home, but it still, I imagine, must have been very challenging for Mary and Joseph to walk through all of these things. Um, So I, as I was kind of reading through this, and it was like, this whole Mary's plan versus what God's plan ultimately may have been. I was reminded of a story that happened um, to me in, in uh, a few months ago. So I have this thing where I like to be in control and I like to make the plans. So as uh, the, you can tell that like this is also what God is working on in my heart. And I may just be preaching to myself here, but that's okay. Um, so I had this really good plan that... Uh, we were going to have the perfect fall day. Um, So as you're looking online um, on Pinterest, I don't know if you ever do that, but you'll get these like fall bucket list things and it's like all these fun things to do in fall and you can check them off, like wear a cozy sweater and drink a pumpkin spice latte and like all these things. And so I thought I'm going to take it a step further and we're going to do all these things in one day and it's going to be the most epic fall day you've ever had. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to make sure I have some people with me to do this because it would be pretty sad to do that alone. So I got Pastor Seb and Haley on board, and they said, Thanksgiving Monday, we're going to have the perfect fall day. So I'll just, I'm just going to read you like a little bit of my itinerary here to, to just show you how extreme this is. 8.45 a.m., get dressed in a cozy sweater and flannel. 9 to 10 a.m., breakfast, pumpkin waffles and maple bacon. 9.45, write down what we're grateful for. 9.55, put butternut squash soup ingredients in crock pot. 10, drive to the pumpkin patch. 10.10, stopped for a fall-themed coffee. 
10, 11, listen to a fall playlist while driving. Okay, so I had this all planned out. It goes on. No, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Because <laughs> then you'll just know how crazy I am. Anyways, so it was, it was planned. It was good. I even, like, bought these, like, spooky socks for Seb Haley and I to wear. And then I invited some more people. And the, nothing could go wrong. And then Pastor Brett and Pastor Desiree invited Seb and Haley over for breakfast that Monday morning. My plan was foiled already. And I was like, okay, I can still have a good attitude about this. It's okay. We can push things back to like noon. We can still fit everything in. It'll just be a little bit crazy. It's fine. So um, then they, they get there at noon. There's some other people that come along. And uh, it's raining outside. And it's like that cold rain that like gets you to the bones. And in my mind, I was like, it's okay. We can still do this. We're Canadians. We can go outside. Also, Haley was like eight months pregnant at the time. And it probably wasn't super fair of me to ask her to do this. So long story short, the plan got kiboshed. So we did not do a good portion of what was on my list. <laughs> We did do some of it, and we ended up going to Pastor Seven Haley's house and playing games for the day, and then we had butternut squash soup, and we had a fire, and we, like, did all these things, and it was, in, in like, anyone's mind, it was a really great day. In my mind, I had, like, kind of a lousy day because I had a really lousy attitude. Like, I was mad. I was like, I, I need to... <laughs> I hate that Pastor Seven's here because... He, afterwards, he's like, you know, we all had a really good day. You're the only one that had a bad day because of your bad attitude. And I was like, whatever. I just need to find new friends. That's the moral of this story. And then now I'm telling him that he's right. And God is working on my heart. Anyways, so this just reminded me so much, though, as I was, like, reading Mary's story of how, for me, for that day to go perfectly, it had to go according to my plan. And I think sometimes we feel like for our lives to go the way that it should go, it has to go according to our plan. But the truth is that God's plan is very rarely the same as what our plan is. And his plan is better. The word says that his ways are greater than our ways. But that takes us being able to give up our plans and be able to be present in what God has for us. Um. I think that we think, yeah, that God's plans are to make us happy and healthy and that no bad things will ever happen to us. But the truth is that in this story that God wasn't about Mary's plan. He wasn't writing Mary's story. He was writing Jesus' story and Mary was a character in Jesus' story. If God was about Mary's story, I think it would have looked a lot different. She wouldn't have feared for, for Jesus' life. She wouldn't have feared for her own and she wouldn't have faded into the background after Jesus was glorified, um, as we'll see later on in Acts. So Mary does get to play a part, but she's not the main character. So, you know, what Christmas means to me is that when Mary took part in what God was doing, she was able to partner in this incredible story. But again, this story was about Jesus coming. It was about the fact that Jesus wasn't meant to just be this good man or this prophet or any of that. He was meant to be the Savior. He was meant to come and die on the cross and lay his life down so that we could have right relationship with him. And it was Mary doing this that 
that allowed for this to happen, but it was Jesus' story that was put onto display, and it was Jesus' story that makes this whole thing remarkable. God is not writing a story with me at the center. He is not... Um, He's not about making my name famous. He's not about making my life perfect. He's about his glory and his story, and he invites us to join in his story, just like Mary did. Um, in 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 2, uh, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, is talking, and uh, the disciples know this lesson more than probably anyone else in Scripture because most of them lost their lives to bring about Jesus' glory. But he says... So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Mary was anxious to do the will of God. That is why she found favor with the Lord, and I think that that is also why there was some physical pain, there was some challenge, there was some difficulties along the way. Mary had to watch her only, her first, not her only, her firstborn son being crucified on the cross. It, it says in scripture that she was there when that happened. And I can't imagine how heart-wrenching, how difficult, and how just terrible that would have been. But again, it wasn't about Mary's comfort. It was about the greater story that God was writing. I'm not saying that God's never going to bless you, and I'm not saying that he isn't our protector, he's not our defender or healer, because in scripture it says that he is all of those things. It says that he loves us more than we could ever, ever imagine. But it also says that it is about God's plan and that we are to partner with him in that. When you realize that your purpose is about God's glory and not yours, there is actually freedom that comes with that. I know it sounds a little bit backwards, but it actually is a freeing thing when we give up our own ways. It can be so easy for us to recognize like chains like anger or jealousy or hatred or unforgiveness or all those sorts of things, but what about the chain of holding on to comfort? What about the chain of holding on to the idea of what the future holds? What about the chain of, you know, you can fill in the blank there, but there's other things that can get in the way of what God's doing in our life. And it doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily something that's inherently wrong, but it can just be the reprioritizing of putting God at that first place spot. I've, as I was writing this, I, I asked myself the question, if God doesn't give me my wish list, is he still good? If God doesn't give you your wish list and the things that you think are going to make your life great, is he still good? We were singing the song, like, you are so, so good to me. But what does that mean? Does it mean he's good because he gives us gifts? Or is it good because God is good and his plans are good no matter what it looks like here and now on the earth? We must come to him with empty hands, just as Mary did when she said, I am the Lord's servant. In fact, Jesus himself spoke these words to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up my life, or sorry, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So where is the freedom in giving up your own plans? I mean, 
To be honest, dying on a cross doesn't sound like a lot of fun, even if it is a metaphor. Um, but at the same time, there is some sort of a freedom that Scripture tells us when it comes with this. Because when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, it becomes off balance. Things aren't going right. You'll notice you're constantly frustrated. You're constantly, like, getting downcast or bitter or, or you know, you find problems everywhere you look. And that's because probably, you know, things have kind of gone out of balance a bit. God's not in that number one spot. Um. <clears throat> When we give up our plans to God and don't hold on to them tightly, we allow God to actually have room to work and do something even greater. As I was reading this again, I was just, I want to be like Mary. When God comes and changes the course of her life, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you say about me come true. She wasn't destroyed. She wasn't confused or broken. She just said, okay, let's do it. Let it be so. Because she knew that her life was not hers to begin with. If Mary chose the easy and stress-free life, she probably wouldn't have been a part of one of the greatest miracles that we have ever experienced, which was when Jesus came to the earth as a man. Everything is safe when we commit it to God. So if we give those things that we have in that first place spot, if we give him our friends and our family, our plans, our future, do we not trust that God has those things and that he can hold on to them better than we can? Because when we're holding on to them, we're just going to break them. I don't know. I'll just hold on too tightly, just like that fall day planet. I'm just going to, like, you know, bunker down. But the thing is, if I do that, I can't take care of it. But God can. He can hold on to that even better than we ever can. So that's where that freedom comes in the trusting of him with those things and allowing him to have the ultimate <clears throat> purpose and plan for our lives. So the last mention that we have of Mary in the New Testament is in Acts. Uh, this book was written after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended back to heaven. So in chapter one, the followers of Jesus start praying and seeking God, and eventually the church, uh, the first church is started. So Jesus has gone back, and the believers are basically just seeking out to God. And so it says in verse 114, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So that's the last we know of Mary. She continued seeking God. She was likely a member of that first church. And then that's kind of she kind of fades away. We don't necessarily see what happens to her. But again, Jesus' name is made greater as Mary's name is made less, as it kind of fades into the background. And I would ask you if that's what you are willing to do today. Are we willing to partner with God that his name can become greater as ours kind of fades away and becomes less? I think we, I can call the band back up, right? It's a thing I have power to do. Um, <laughs> so as I was sort of reflecting on this and, and praying and leading up to this this week, and um, it was funny, I was reading a devotional this week, and it just talked about like this exact thing, which of course God always does that. And again, it's, it's him working on this in me, and that's I think why sometimes he has us share these things that God is trying to teach you know, to, trying to teach me as well. So there was a few questions that it left, and I thought I would share those with you today. It said, do I use God to further my own interests, or do I serve God to further his? 
Do I use the Bible to prove that I am right or to find out where I am wrong? Am I joyful to find out where I am wrong so I can be made right? Which, <laughs> that's a problem for me. Um, am I joyful to follow him even when it means I may be overlooked, misunderstood, or may face difficult times? And even just back to that question that I asked early is, earlier is, if we don't get our wish list if we don't get the things in our life that God, we might think that God owes us or that we deserve or even just that like if God is a good father, he'll give us those things. It's not saying that he's never going to give you anything good because he is a good father and he does give good gifts to his children. But if that isn't the case, if that isn't where we end up, is he still good? Is he still faithful? Can you still put your trust in him and allow him the control and allow him all of the things that, you know, he deserves? He deserves that number one spot because he's going to take us further than we can take ourselves. And just as we say here all the time, one step at a time, it's not about doing this overnight and just changing everything, but it's saying, okay, God, I'm giving you this next step for your glory. I'm giving you the step after that for your glory and just allowing him that ownership and allowing that we might become less so that he can become greater just as Mary did.